Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Man in America. I'm your host, Seth Holhouse. As we look ahead to 2024, there's two big issues that I see that need to be analyzed, especially in how they interact. And that is the global economy. There's a lot of experts warning about collapse, crash, etc. But there's also the awareness of the vaccine deaths, the vaccine campaign. And these are two things I think that are actually closely related because what does it spell for people? It's awakening from this illusion. It's this realization of where the world's really at, where the United States economy is really at, and where the trust should be at for these massive organizations and governments that pushed these vaccines. And so joining us today is a person with a very unique perspective on both these areas, and that's Ed Dowd, who is someone that has been on the forefront of exposing what's happening with the excess debts and everything, but he's also got an extensive history in finance. So we're going to be talking about what the next year year ahead looks like in terms of the overall economy, how it ties into the election, what's happening with the overall mass awakening of people understanding how deadly these vaccines have really been, but also how that's going to affect the election at the end of the year, specifically going into Operation Warp Speed, the fact that President Trump hasn't come out and condemned these vaccines. What's that going to spell for people as they enter into the poll booths and they've got a vaccine injury, they lost a friend or family member to the vaccines, they've experienced what's happened because of this. So Folks, it'll be a very interesting interview with Ed Dowd, who is a brilliant man. So buckle up and enjoy. So Ed, it's great to have you back on uh, as we ring in the new year and look forward to 2024. So thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me on again. Great to be here. So you're someone that I follow very closely, um, especially I think your first interview, I think, was with uh, Maria Z that I saw you know, back when I think the insurance data was coming out and I paid very close attention to you since then, because you're someone that I think has a very, very important perspective from the data that you're gathering, specifically about the vaccines and and the effects and the excess deaths, et cetera. But also you've got a pretty extensive background in finance uh, and, and being able to look at those two subjects and see where they intersect and what this means for our world, I think is very important. And so as we look ahead to this next year, uh, you know, of, of 2024, what what are you focusing on? What do you think are the the stories and the information that people should be most aware of, regardless of what the you know the, the bread and circuses of DC want us to focus on, or the mainstream media wants us to focus on? What do you think the real stories are going ahead this next year? Well, we're going to have obviously an election, but and we all know that's going to be a circus. Uh, just and I'm I'm involved in the Kennedy uh, Bobby Kennedy campaign and. I think he's got a good shot. I think he's going to continue to gain traction. But let's put that circus aside for now. Uh, in my opinion, the economy uh, is going to become uh, in, in big focus for everybody starting. Well, it's, it actually started last year. The real economy has been declining. All our indicators at our firm, Finance Technologies, indicate we're in recession. The headline number last quarter was 4.9%, I think, but most of it was government spending. So ex-government spending, the real economy, it was negative 1%. So we're in a recession, but the stock market is up still floating near all-time highs. The the participation in the market has been quite grim, so it's mostly seven large stocks. So when the stock market finally reflects reality, then the mainstream media will have to talk about it. And I think we're coming to a head on that. Uh, there's been 
Newsweek put out an article yesterday suggesting the massive layoffs are coming. Um, the government uh, deficit is now structurally $2 trillion a year. The math is, is becoming a joke. We're adding, uh, I think we added a trillion to the uh, deficit uh, in, one, in three months, whereas, you know, 10 years ago, that would be a full year. So uh, it's becoming um, uh, unsustainable for the government to continue to float this along into the election year. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to keep uh, the wheels on before the election. And I think what we're going to see in the next six months is a realization of how bad things are. They're already bad. We know they're bad, but the mainstream media is ignoring it. And once the stock market starts to go south uh, in the next six months, that's when it's going to become very apparent to all that we're in a deep economic doo-doo. Um, the uh, money supply went negative for the first time since 1930 in November of 2022. Year-over-year -year growth went negative, and that hasn't happened since the Great Depression. And generally speaking, there's an 18-month lag. Just like there was an 18-month lag in all the COVID spending to give us inflation, there'll be an 18-month lag on money supply going the other way. So we had this kind of crazy whipsaw action going on where the government spent $8 trillion during COVID. Now, you got to remember, we, we, we added $11 trillion since the great financial crisis to the government debt load. And then in short, three short years, we added another eight. So we're at a run rate of about $2.4 trillion a year in spending, uh, deficit spending. And uh, that, uh, that uh, caused inflation. Then the Fed raised interest rates, and that caused the money supply to go the other way. So it's a whipsaw effect. Inflation, now we're going to be looking at deflation. Um, unfortunately, the inflation that we've already created is going to stay with us. Prices will go down, but not back to pre-COVID levels. That we now have a higher standard of living that's going to be with us for a long, long time. So in the next six months, there's going to be a blow-off somewhere in the capital markets. Somewhere it could start in Japan. Japan's having issues, and it'll spread. And uh, we'll see, you know, financial markets dislocate. And that's when, you know, the general Joe six pack will know what's going on. So that's that's what we're seeing. We're going to we're putting out an inflation report today that's going to talk about uh, deflation and what we're seeing and what we think is going to happen. So that is going to cause a lot of consternation, a lot of fear. Um, the establishment won't want to highlight that. So they'll create other distractions, whether that's a war. Um, or another uh, pandemic or, you know, what, whatever, whatever it is, it's going to be to distract us from the economic downturn and blame it on something else. It can't be blamed on central bankers and the politicians where the, where the uh, uh, blame lies. Then the second thing I think we're going to be talking about is the COVID vaccines. It's becoming, you know, we've done a lot uh, at Finance Technologies. If you go to our website, we have it all there we have excess deaths across the western nations we have uh disability data absence rate data we, we you know we review the clinical trials so we have basically a body of evidence that suggests the vaccines are a disaster and they continue to cause excess death and disability even though a booster uptake is down so we have medium-term effects it looks like and Joe Latipo, the, the Surgeon General in Florida, came out yesterday or the day before and said he wants these vaccines removed. State's Attorney General uh, Paxson in Texas is suing Pfizer. 
So we're going to start to see more and more of this kind of official statements occur throughout the year. Word of mouth is spreading despite the mainstream media's uh, you know, censorship of this issue. So I think we're approaching critical mass on the vaccine issue. And more and more people are going to be extremely pissed off, to use that word. And that's going to cause a rethinking of all the institutions, the FDA, the NIH, the CDC, um, uh, you know, the way our political system works. Bobby Kennedy is obviously against the COVID vaccine and against the medical establishment. So we're going to see this issue become a big, big issue as more and more people realize they were injured and duped. And I think it's going to be a lot of chaos and turmoil in 2024, in addition to the election fiasco that's coming. We, and we know it's coming. And so we talk about the stock market or the overall markets in particular. It's interesting you mentioned kind of keeping things at bay until the election, because as I've you know I've interviewed a lot of different experts, whether it's you know Charles Nitter or Martin Armstrong or other people in finance, and what I gather is that if you take a step back and you look at just all the different components, everything points towards the market shouldn't be strong like it is. Things should have kind of fallen off track long ago, but it seems like there's this invisible hand that's almost keeping it together, almost like you know, keeping the wheels taped onto the car just to get across that finish line. So, so you, you're thinking that it's really intentional to maintain some sense of, you know, uh, giving a Biden the ability to say, look, you know, we're still kind of keeping strong and under Biden, you know, Biden economics or you know, Bidenomics, whatever he calls it, you know, you're, here's why we're doing really well versus if there was a, a crash of some sort that would probably really, really hurt them you know, even more uh, heading into the election season. So you, so you you think that they're intentionally holding it. So do you think that there will be, do you think that as we head, get closer to November, that we'll hit, hit a point where they can no longer hold it and those wheels start coming off before November? Or do you think it'll be shortly after November when everything just falls apart? No, I think, I think it's going to fall apart before. I think that, that's my guess because this, the money supply going negative year over year in November, it's going to hit 18 months in May. And it's usually an 18 month lag. And it's already, you know, we had bank failures in March of last year. And so the Fed did the bank term uh, lending program, BTLP. Uh, uh, and that was a short term fix that kind of stopped the, 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 the deposit flight that was occurring. Hasn't fixed the problem. And the Federal Reserve is uh, now taking on losses. So these losses can't go on forever. Um, they're going to probably announce um, uh, interest rate cuts soon. There was a Fed meeting yesterday. Uh, looks like the Fed pivot is about to begin. And tra- tra- traditionally speaking, um, when you have a Fed pivot, uh, there is no soft landing. There's usually a recession. And there's a misnomer that when interest rates go down, that's good for the uh, economy. It's only good. Uh, if the economy is already, you know, okay, uh, it won't be good because they'll be they're, they're going to be behind the curve. They're going to have to do emergency rate cuts sometime next year, and that's when the real economic damage begins. If you're if you recall in the 2000 uh, uh, bubble, they had already started cutting interest rates in 2000, and we didn't bottom in the stock market until 02. The economy was in a recession in 01, uh, so they'd already started cutting rates. In the great financial crisis, they started cutting rates in 07, and then we had the bottom in uh, 09. 
And we're about to start that. And I think it's going to become apparent to most Americans that we're um, at the beginning of something. But the question I have, and I can't predict, is how fast it goes. I suspect this one will be fast. That's my my bias, but it could go slow, meaning it's a two-year, takes two years for the stock markets to go down. But I think it's going to make, it's, it's going to rear its ugly head before the elections, for sure. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to hold it at bay. And it's also not just the U.S. Uh, there's global uh, uh, debt problems everywhere, and Japan is wobbling. There's a lot of weird things going on in Japan that aren't really, you, you have to be in finance and a wonky individual like myself to notice it. So I'm not talking about it much, but once Japan um, goes or some sovereign debt crisis begins, it, the Federal Reserve can't control it. It'll be rolling thunder. So it feels like they're doing everything they can. It's a MacGyver, I call it the MacGyver economy, you know, um, tinfoil, uh, paper clips, and rubber bands are holding this thing together. And at some point it's going to go. And right now the government's the only game in town. Uh, the real economy is a disaster and the layoffs are coming. And we're going we're gonna to start to see that soon. Once Japan um, goes or some sovereign debt crisis begins, it, the Federal Reserve can't control it. It'll be rolling thunder. So it feels like they're doing everything they can. It's a MacGyver, I call it the MacGyver economy, you know, um, tinfoil, uh, paper clips, and rubber bands are holding this thing together. And at some point it's going to go. And right now the government's the only game in town. Uh, the real economy is a disaster and the layoffs are coming and we're going to, we're going to start to see that soon. It, it's interesting because um, there's an article that up on Natural News that, so Harry Dent, who's, a, I guess, a, a pretty famous economist that was on Fox News recently talking about that he thinks that 2024 will, will bring, bring the biggest crash of our lifetime. And he said, similarly, he said May uh, is when he started seeing, and he also talked about that we'll hit a point when this the average you know, Joe Sixpack right, basically starts to see this. And so from that perspective, Looking at the, the the amount of debt that the United States has, you know, debt the the world has, the the size of this bubble, you know, do you see this correction or whatever you want to call it as is it you know kind of a recession or is it something that you're seeing as being something much closer to what we saw in the Great Depression with with this the apps which was really a, a complete crash at that time? We won't know until we see the response from the central bankers and the politicians. So. There'll be uh, a stock market correction, you know, anywhere from 20 to 50%. And 50% is the magic number. That's where they will throw the bazookas at it. And, the monet, you know, they'll start printing again and maybe doing even new uh, strange things. We don't even yield curve control, what, what have you. So I can't say whether or not a depression is coming because I have to see the response from uh, the central bankers and the politicians. And then we'll see, uh, you know, as, as that response then gets discounted into the markets, we'll have a better idea whether it's going to stick or not. Um, so it's a game. We're, we're in this inflation deflation roller coaster. And, you know, like I said, in 2020, they, they, you know, they basically prevented a collapse in the global economy that was rearing its ugly head in 2019 with COVID as the excuse. That bought some time that created inflation. Then the Fed had to raise interest rates to curb the inflation, and that caused money supply to go negative year-over-year growth for the first time since the 30s. So we're in this period of whipsaw inflation, deflation, with the central bankers and politicians trying to 
put their finger in the dike because deflation is not good for the banking system. It's, you know, you need to inflate or die. And so the question is, can the money masters and the politicians prevent, you know, the grand cycle from occurring, which is where we are? We're at the end game. And can they keep it afloat for a couple more years? I don't know yet. I have to see what the response is, but we're going to see a response because we're heading into it. And, you know, I, I think the stock market could, you know, hover, hover here, have some dips, and maybe it, 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 it could crash soon. I, I'm not predicting that, but I'm thinking more of the summer, May, between, between May and August. That's when we'll see the real damage begin. And so when you just referred to, I forget how exactly the, the kind of the end stage of the grand game, or I forget exactly how you phrased it, but what are you referring to with that? Well, my friend Tim Wood, who's a cycles analyst, has done some work on these grand economic cycles as measured by commodity prices. Since 1800, there's been six. We're in the, we're in the sixth one. And what happened after the great financial crisis was uh, an attempt to create the, you know, another economic cycle. And they did, but they did so by creating more debt. So they're trying to prevent the end of the great, uh, the sixth economic cycle. So we're, we're, we're trying to cap that. Commodities peaked in June of 2022. They then had a rally last year, but they didn't go back to a new high. We think that commodity cycles have three-year cycles and then they have super cycles. So we think the three-year cycle peaked last year, another three, so three-year cycle in June of 22, another cycle uh, last year. And uh, we think they can't reinflate it again. And if they can't, then, you know, we're going to see a lot of chaos and weirdness going on. And it just, it just cycles. So you have basically the establishment trying to prevent a natural cycle from occurring, you know, as above, so below, like cycles are, you know, or, you know, God is in charge of, of everything and cycles are found in nature. And this is an attempt to prevent cycles from occurring. Which seems to be a theme of, of these creatures, right? That, that, you know, that they are consistently trying to just alter what God's created, whether it's the cycles of financial, whether it's our DNA, whether it's uh, the laws of, you know, free market, uh, you know, economies, you know, by these, these gender. systems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, genders, exactly. It's like they're. It's like it's almost as if they're being ruled by Satan, and their their number one goal is to destroy everything that God has created. Like it, you know, if I was a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist, I'd go straight there. Well, you know, look, we we can't prove that, but they're definitely trying to stop natural economic cycles from occurring, and they've done a pretty good job of it. I mean, after the great financial crisis, we should have we had an opportunity to clean it up, but they solved that problem with more debt, and so. That's what created the last 14 years, the strangeness that we've seen, the consolidation of power into federal hands across the globe. Uh, and, uh, you know, the real economy has been about being close to the printing presses. So the closer you are to a printing press, you're a real estate guy, you're a hedge fund manager, you're a corporate CEO that can, you know, issue yourself options. So the, the rich have been getting richer in this attempt to save the economy from the great financial crisis while everybody else is just kind of, you know, meandering along. Now with the COVID inflation, it's really killing the middle class. And they know 
when when in, when inflation gets to the point where fifty percent of your income of the average person is is um, necessities, that's when revolutions occur. So they're they know they have a problem, and so they're you know that's why they raise interest rates to curb the inflation they created. The problem is they've now created the other flip side of that coin, deflation, and they can't ha- they can't have that. So what we're going to see is a massive intervention on the horizon and also they can't take blame so there'll be an excuse ginned up to be pointing to you know it's interesting that you said that when necessities become more than 50 percent of a person's income that that's when revolutions occur and which i think a lot of people i speak to it's you know 70 80 percent that people are barely getting by and though they have the interest rates coming up to Try to curb inflation. What that also means is that now someone's house payment, instead of being two and a half thousand dollars, is four thousand dollars a month, which which strains everything else. So if you take that aspect of it, the fact that I think a lot of Americans, even people that that voted Joe Biden into office, are now looking at the situation and saying this is unsustainable, and my my overall life, the quality of life is just terrible in America. If you take that and you merge that with what else you t- you mentioned at the beginning, which is this much more mainstream awareness of the vaccines and the sudden deaths and the vaccine injuries, uh, especially with you know, how easy information gets spread on Twitter. I mean, now I look on Twitter, I'll see someone like Vigilant Fox sharing a, a compilation of, say, vaccine injuries or whatnot. It'll have 5 million impressions. I mean, it's, you have information like that going viral, which I know you've been at the center of a lot of that. So looking at those two aspects of you know, one, people stress to the point of almost having revolution, but the other is this loss of confidence in these agencies that people used to trust and a loss of confidence in our government at its very core of our leadership, of the election process, of everything else. With that, does that just seem like it's like a powder keg just kind of waiting as as we enter into this this year? Yeah, it's going to be a lot of cultural chaos and political chaos you know, I, I, you know, I, I hope there's no violence and I hope, you know, Bobby Kennedy can be elected because I think that would help solve a lot of problems. But, you know, it's going to be uh, very psychologically damaging to a lot of people who have lived in this normalcy bias where they think everything's hunky dory. And it's going to it's going to create consternation. I mean, let's talk about the doctors that push the vaccine. I mean, a lot of the doctors were complicit in this. And so even simple things like going to your doctor is going to be questioned, uh, you know, because once it's revealed how much of a fraud this was, it's going to shock people. And then doctors that weren't, you know, the frontline doctors that warned against the vaccine are going to be, um, their feet are going to be held with the fire, unfortunately, by people. And uh, it's going to up, uh, you know, it's going to upend the medical establishment, political establishment, the money establishment, the, you know, the media establishment, which has censored all this information. I mean, literally almost every institution has to be rethought. Seriously, almost everyone. It was a multi, uh, um, I, I, I called it a, um, a meta fraud. It was a fraud with different silos all participating, not necessarily in a back room drinking scotch, all planning this, but taking advantage of what was going on at the time. Tech companies were going to benefit from, you know, you know, constant surveillance of your 
vaccine quarterly booster. Because remember, that was a thing they were trying to push. They wanted us on boosters quarterly with vaccine passports. That failed. But tech companies agreed to censor in large part because they were getting money from the government to censor, but also um, they saw a revenue stream from you know, surveillance technology. Uh, and so that was why they were on board. Then you had the media companies uh, getting their ad dollars from you know, pharma and also government money. And so that institution was involved. Then you had the medical establishment getting monetarily incentivized to push these vaccines through the CARES Act. So that, that institution is compromised. And you have the FTC, the CDC, NIH, which have been corrupted for you know, 50 plus years. It just became apparent to us all that they are you know, fully owned by, uh, by the ones they're supposed to regulate. And uh, the politicians who took all this money and kept silent. I mean, so every institution is going to become uh, into question in 2024. And it's, it's only, it's, the pace of it's only quickening. I, you know, when I open up Twitter, uh, I just I get the sense. And like you said, looking at certain posts, they go viral and more and more eyeballs are seeing them. Tech companies were going to benefit from, you know, you know, constant surveillance of your vaccine quarterly booster. Because remember, that was a thing they were trying to push. They wanted us on boosters quarterly with vaccine passports. That failed. But tech companies agreed to censor in large part because they were getting money from the government to censor. But also um, they saw a revenue stream from, you know, surveillance technology. Uh, and so that was why they were on board. Then you had media companies uh, getting their ad dollars from, you know, pharma and also government money. And so that institution was involved. Then you had the medical establishment getting monetarily incentivized to push these vaccines through the CARES Act. So that, that institution is compromised. Then you have the FTC, the CDC, NIH, which have been corrupted for, you know, 50 plus years. It just became apparent to us all that they are, you know, fully owned by, uh, by the ones they're supposed to regulate, and uh, the politicians who took all this money and kept silent. I mean, so every institution is going to become uh, into question in 2024. And it's, it's only, it's, the pace of it's only quickening. I, you know, when I open up Twitter, uh, I just I get the sense, and like you said, looking at certain posts, they go viral, and more and more eyeballs are seeing them. Yeah, and it's just looking ahead when you mention all these different things we call them the meta fraud, right? With all those institutions. If you look back at just the history of America, I mean, I can't think of a time when there would have been a bigger shift, a bigger cultural shift, a bigger structural shift, because, you know, you mentioned even just people going to the doctor and just saying, what happens when they realize that that same doctor is only recommended the, the booster for their grandmother who's now dead. And they, and they correlate that and they realize that that, happened. And then again, they pieced together that it was the media and all this. So it just seems like that we're entering into this period where we're going to see, I think, one of the greatest shifts in culture and thinking and, and structure of this country that we've ever seen. And it, it's hard right. for me to imagine what that really looks like because I can't think of a time when it's, when it's happened before. Yeah, the, the consciousness is shifting from normalcy to questioning everything. And, you know, it depends on where you are on the scale of awareness. You and I and others who've been following you and I for a while are already there. 
They've already they're they're in acceptance and now they're in action. Let's let's be part of the change that's coming. There's going to be a whole host of people that are going to go through denial, but denial is now lifting. I think we've seen the d- denial phase. Now we're going to go to anger, and that's the pro- That's we have to help those people get from anger, skip depression, get through acceptance, and then change. What we don't want are people getting violent and freaking out, and that's unfortunately. You know, I can't control other people. You can't, but we can only help them manage and help them speed along to acceptance. This is the world we live in. What are you going to do about it to change it? Don't, you know, don't be a victim. Don't, you know, get into anger. Be part of the change. And that's what we, that's what we can try to do to help people because if they stay in anger, that's going to create violence and chaos. And we don't need any of that. And it seems like that's what they, what, that's what the, the controllers, that's what they want. If you look at the, the you know, predictive programming of the new recent you know, Leave the World Behind movie with Obama, you're talking about Civil War, the Civil War movie itself, all this discussion. I mean, to me, it, it almost seems as if they, they know that we'll get to this phase of everyone finding out and becoming angry and that they're perhaps this, you know, one of their plans is to have that come in and, and devolve into a civil war because then it gives them the excuse to bring in martial law and to you know, really kind of suspend the constitution and, and which I think is frightening. And I, and I hope I share your same hope that I really hope that people don't descend into that. But what concerns me is not the, the, the you know, the, the gun toting conservatives that, you know, have been following this all along. They, they know what's coming. They know what to expect. What concerns me is the people that get hit by a semi truck when they wake up one day and realize that how great the lie was and how much damage it's done, whether it's a, a father realizing that his teenage kid was killed by the vaccine or their grandmother. And those are the people that actually concern me more because when there's that massive shift psychologically, that's oftentimes what can break people. And that's what worries me in heading into this, this, this time period. Yeah. I'm not worried about the people who live in the red States with their guns because they're all aware and they're not, you know, they, they got their heads screwed on straight. It's the blue city folks, the Covidians. Once they realize they've been betrayed, what will they do? And you know that could be used as the excuse for martial law. There's chaos in the cities. There's crime. There's you know protests, riots. That's those are the people we need to uh, worry about. The people who this was a cult for them, and then the, their cult leaders betrayed them, and then you know gives the cult leaders a chance to then. Screw, screw, you know, screw, you know, uh, uh, put the screws on us. Exactly. And so looking at all this, I mean, it seems for someone that just is stepping in this conversation and thinking like this, it, it's frightening. Uh, it's this, this could go wrong in you know, a hundred different ways. Uh, you know, it could go very bad and we could end up in a place where there's martial law and uh, people shooting each other and whatnot. And so, but I know that you're, you know, you and I have spoken a lot and, and, there's oftentimes we finish on this perspective of hope that there is actually good happening. And so when you look forward in time, where does your hope come from? Do you have, are you optimistic about where our human race will be in say three to five years? Yeah, no, it ha- it's going to happen. Um, the people that created this problem are trying to manage the implosion of the mathematical, uh, you know, reality that the debt will implode on itself. So their goal has always been to create a smokescreen 
and blame something else so they can sit on top of the new system. The good news is the consciousness is raised enough where I think there'll be a lot of other alternative systems coming out. Uh, This won't go as easily as they may have thought, you know, imposing, uh, you know, a central bank digital currency, universal basic income. Um, I think there's enough people now that can create alternative, uh, you know, systems. And that's, we might live in a world where there's the federal system and then there's other black market economies. And eventually, uh, you know, there's a renaissance, but there's going to be a lot of strangeness in between. I don't know what it's going to look like. I can only guess, but I think if you keep, if, if you can keep your head screwed on straight, uh, take care of yourself, don't live in fear and anger, you're going to be fine. There'll be tremendous opportunities for everybody that keeps their, you know, mental framework, you know, safe. And there's going to be austerity. There's going to be huge austerity because a lot of uh, what's been going on has been floated by debt. And when that debt uh, starts to implode, there will be lack of things and we're going to have to like learn to deal with less stuff. Uh, I'm already preparing myself. I mean, for me, I, you know, I don't think much about stuff. I try to live a minimalistic life. I just want food and a roof over my head and a car that works. That's, that's all I need. Everything else is kind of nonsense. You know, like if, if you're into the, you know, your, your vacations and your private schools and your, you know, whatever, that's all going to get tougher and tougher. And, um, and services are going to be tougher and tougher because we're, we have a labor shortage from disabilities. So just keep your head screwed on straight, you know, uh, tighten your belt and realize that most of the things that are important in life are free anyways. All we've been programmed to think we need this stuff. You don't need most of the stuff that we've been programmed to have. And once you get your head screwed on straight, Life will be much better. Surround yourself with like-minded individuals, create communities, and you'll be happier than you were when you were isolated, you know, on the rat race, trying to like keep up with the Joneses. That's just a, uh, that's just nonsense. I I certainly agree with that. So one thing I want to actually dig into a little bit here is the election. And it's interesting. So hearing your involvement, especially with the Kennedy campaign and but also your awareness of the vaccines. And this is something that I, I've, I've wondered how it would play out because, you know, I was a very strong Trump supporter, especially back, you know, in 2020, uh, you know, leading up into that. And I still, have, I, I think, very, very highly of him and a lot of his policies. But the one thing that really, I, I had a really hard time justifying and coming to terms with was his involvement with Operation Warp Speed and his involvement of pushing these vaccines. And even when, We'd have people like Candace Owens or different interviews where they've tried to, even you know, recently, they've tried to talk about this with him, and he hasn't really accepted any responsibility or even acknowledged, I think, a lot of what's you know, staring a lot of us in the face. So versus you know, Kennedy, who's obviously you know, been for, for decades now fighting against this, this evil empire of Big Pharma and their vaccine agenda. So do you think that since we've established this, this understanding that more and more people over the course of this next year will come to realize the absolute damage and the, this atrocity caused by this vaccine, do you think that that will cause a, like that issue alone will cause a significant shift in the voter base of people? Like maybe, because again, if say we have this happening and say Kennedy comes out and he says he's talking and says, well, let's ask Trump about operation warp speed. Um, 
Because to me, it seems like that single topic could cause a big shift for people because regardless of what other policies are, if someone is an independent and they're not sure who they want to vote for, yet they have a vaccine injury or someone they know has a vaccine injury, that trumps almost everything else. Like if you can't even live, function normally in life again or say someone that's close to you has died or can't function as well, I feel like that will become a really big topic in, the, um, in deciding what's going to happen in the election. What are your thoughts on that? Well, then let's go through the math. So depending upon the number, 60 to 70% of Americans got vaccinated and there were holdouts. That, and, and, that, and, and they were then discriminated against, and that became a big part of their you know, new reality. Uh, so let's call it 25% of the American population did not take the COVID vaccine. Uh, that became a, one of their biggest issues uh, going forward. Let's assume half of them, 12.5%, were Trump supporters. Those 12.5%, May, in all likelihood, a large portion of them will go to a Bobby Kennedy rather than a Trump because they can't reconcile the fact that as of today, he's still claiming victory, not admitting the mistake, not acknowledging the devastation these vaccines have caused. So that's 12 and a half percent. You got you got the uh, the Trump derangement syndrome people on one end and you got the. Um, Trump can do no wrong. I mean, those are extremes. It's the middle where Trump, if Trump doesn't, you know, figure out what he's going to do on this issue, uh, it's and as it comes into the public consciousness more and more, I think he's going to lose vote voters along the way. And he he, the, the longer he waits, the worse it gets. That's and my I, personal opinion. I've already seen that just in looking at what was what things were like, say in. 2021, the, the overall, the, you know, the, the conservative, you know, kind of portion of the country seemed to be quite unified, 2020, 2021, you know, quite unified. But now, even if I say, I, you know, say at that time I interviewed, you know, President Trump, my guess would be 90% of the comments would be positive. You'd have the 5% that have, or you know, whatever view in the 5% that are like really hateful. But now though, if I do shows like that, say I interviewed him today, I feel like probably half of the comments I would see in the discussion on that video would be people saying he's a vaccine salesman. He's got, he's got blood on his hands. I mean, it's, I'm already seeing there's been a, a huge splintering in that base. And so I, I think that it, I, I think it'll be a really big issue where he, where he chooses to stand on this issue heading in the election, because we, it, it can't be ignored. It could be ignored two years ago. It can't be ignored in 2024. No, and unfortunately, it can't be ignored because the excess deaths and disabilities aren't going back to normal. If they were going back to normal, he might have a chance and it would be like this, you know, devastating vaccine. But there continues to be damage done longer term, it looks like, from these vaccines, unfortunately. Yeah, so I I just wonder, yeah, I guess, who knows, but where he would end up, you know, standing on that. But it's... uh, I've also, I thought in the past, you know, whether it was part of the overall intention of this, maybe that the, that the people that were behind this vaccine campaign knew that at some point it would become public and that they would then be able to pin it on him as a way of, of ensuring he didn't get back into office. Because like, to me, that would be a good plan if you didn't want, if you wanted to bring down Trump, perhaps. 
Well, that won't, I don't think that'll fly primarily because Trump owns Operation Warp Speed. Trump owns the lockdowns of the economy because he approved them. Biden owns the mandates and uh, the pushing and the propaganda. And uh, the mandates was is really what uh, I think was super, you know, from my perspective, I was like, are you kidding me? You're mandating this. And that caused a lot of our workforce and military to be devastated. And they will be devastated for years to come, unfortunately. And so kind of rounding out the discussion, going back on the, the idea of, of hope, with more people awakening and just seeing this information overall um, and acting on it, uh, regardless of what the, the, you know, the, the, the plans are, whether it's central bank digital currency or the different stages of what I think would you know, ideally, from the perspective of the elites, what they'd like to do to you know, lead us into some sort of technocracy in this dystopian world, I think enough people waking up and rejecting that, I think, is a good thing. But how do you see that playing out? And I guess what in terms of seeing people waking up to this information, I know that you're, you get you have a lot of feedback coming from friends. I know you put out various posts on Twitter saying that you've got you know people that are, are kind of confiding you and sharing their perspective on this that was like they've you know realized you know recently, oh my gosh, this this is the truth of what's really happening. So. No, and unfortunately, it can't be ignored because the excess deaths and disabilities aren't going back to normal. If they were going back to normal, he might have a chance and it would be like this, you know, devastating vaccine. But there continues to be damage done longer term, it looks like, from these vaccines, unfortunately. Yeah, so I I just wonder, yeah, I guess, who knows, but where he will end up, you know, standing on that. But it's... uh, I've also I thought in the past, you know, whether it was part of the overall intention of this, maybe, maybe that the that the people that were behind this vaccine campaign knew that at some point it would become public, and that they would then be able to pin it on him as a way of of ensuring he didn't get back into office. Because, like to me, that would be a good plan if you didn't want if you wanted to bring down Trump, perhaps. Well, that won't. I don't think that'll fly primarily because Trump owns Operation Warp Speed. Trump owns the lockdowns of the economy because he approved them. Biden owns the mandates and uh, the pushing and the propaganda. And uh, the mandates was is really what uh, I think was super, you know, from my perspective, I was like, are you kidding me? You're mandating this. And that caused a lot of our workforce and military to be devastated. And they will be devastated for years to come, unfortunately. And so kind of rounding out the discussion, going back on the, the idea of, of hope, with more people awakening and just seeing this information overall um, and acting on it, uh, regardless of what the, the, you know, the, the, the plans are, whether it's central bank digital currency or the different stages of what I think would you know, ideally, from the perspective of the elites, what they'd like to do to you know, lead us into some sort of technocracy in this dystopian world, I think enough people waking up and rejecting that, I think, is a good thing. But how do you see that playing out? And I guess what in terms of seeing people waking up to this information, I know that you're, you get, you have a lot of feedback coming from friends. I know you put out various posts on Twitter saying that you've got, you know, people that are, are kind of confiding you and sharing their perspective on this that was like they've, you know, realized, you know, recently, oh my gosh, this, this is the truth of what's really happening. So I guess. The, the hope that you have, what's that grounded in? What's it look like? 
Well, the girl, the hope is that people are becoming aware of the problem. That's the first thing. I mean, you have a problem and it's getting, it's, it's kind of going parabolic in terms of awareness. You know, it was this Harvard professor who just resigned, who committed plagiarism. Vivek Ramaswamy put out a observation, which nailed it. He basically said, it's not so much, uh, um, that she's an idiot, which she is. I mean, she only produced 10 articles, never wrote any books. It's that the bureaucratic, um, the, the rise of the bureaucrats. So, you know, we have in all our institutions, bureaucrats that really didn't get to where they are through merit. They got there because they knew someone or they towed the line. So right now we have a realization that not only is it just the CDC, the NIH, and government bureaucrats. There's bureaucrats in every part of our institutions, corporate institutions. DEI has been a disaster. So we have, basically, we're being ruled by idiots. And it's now, you know, it's now becoming clear, uh, 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 you know, clear to all of us that um, the people who are, you know, issuing their orders and dictates who are self-proclaimed experts really don't know what they're talking about. And that's a good thing. So I think there's a lot of hope in that. Uh, no one's going to listen to the experts anymore. And so, you know, rounding out this, where can people follow your work? Like how can people just, you know, obviously Twitter is a big one. That's where I follow you. But, but where can you point people to? Uh, the most important part of the vaccine discussion can be found on our website, financetechnologies.com, ph is instead of an F and under the humanity projects, we literally have, you know, thousands of hours of research compiled from different uh, government, uh, avail government, governmentally available databases. And it's literally, I think, the smoking gun. I mean, it's a it's a mosaic of evidence uh, that suggests the vaccines are a disaster and causing excess deaths, disabilities and injuries. Then Twitter at uh, Dowd Edward, D-O-W-D Edward, um, and then Getter at Edward Dowd, if you don't like uh, Twitter. And then finally, I wrote a book, Cause Unknown, The Epidemic of Sudden Death in 21 and 22. I'm going to put out a third edition with the updates from 23. So that book is primarily a good source of material to give to your loved one that still thinks that nothing's going on because it's it's very it's it's very factually based. Everything is QR coded, and uh, it, it, I, I've heard it's, it's done wonders in kind of changing people's minds. So you can buy the book and give it to others. And so, right here's the, the book Cause Unknown. So, one question is with regards to the humanity projects that you're doing, which seems to be like this is something that can be presented to governments or the says the smoking yeah. gun. Do you are you seeing any traction with this? Are you seeing any large organizations that maybe were not looking at this evidence but are now looking at this and having a hard time denying it? I mean, what's what's the progress of what this is uh, doing at that level? Well, I did get in front of Senator Ron Johnson in December of 2022. Uh, I did go to Australia, talk to some MPs. Um, the UK government hasn't reached out to me, but. Uh, I think as time goes on, there'll be more and more inquiries will be tapped. All this research we've done for free, uh, we we haven't made a dime off this, uh, basically. Um, it's kind of, you know, we thought that it was necessary to do because of the censorship and the corruption of all the elite institutions that 
for whatever reason, didn't feel the need to look into these numbers. And this is not rocket science. This is just, you know, an, an honest accounting of what's going on with some Z scores. Uh, it took a lot of work to present it in a way that people could find easily and, you know, see visually. But, it, you know, this, the, we should not exist. In a world, you know, you go back 40 years when we had the swine flu, they shut that down after 25 deaths. Here we are with 19, 20,000 bears deaths, and we're still, you know, debating whether or not excess deaths are occurring. It's a joke. This is a joke. And I should, as a phenomenon, I shouldn't exist. I shouldn't be here, but we have to be here because no one else is doing it. The good news is other individuals are doing this. Dennis Rancourt, um, you know, uh, John Campbell in the UK. So, you know, we're, what the efforts we've undertaken are multiplying. So other people are, it, in a good way, uh, more and more people are reproducing similar numbers to ours. So it just it's just getting it's 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 snowballing and it's steamrolling, and that's that's a good thing. That was my goal. My goal wasn't to be the guy and the expert on this because I wanted other people to look at this as well, and that's what's going on. That's great. Good. Well, thank you so much for what you're doing. Uh, thank you for making the time to come on with us today, and uh, we'll have I'm sure a couple different a couple more interviews this this year as we take a look at all these events unfolding, and so. Uh, just take care. God bless. And thanks again for giving us this time today. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you. Of course. 